Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. Just a quick disclaimer if you're listening to this because we talk about COVID a lot. Neither Steve nor I are doctors. We are friends who are speaking about our personal experience with COVID through the lens of somatics and self-relating. So if you're looking for information on medicine, treatments, vaccines, you're not going to find it here. We don't talk about any of that. Just wanted you to be aware. Now let's go into the episode. On today's episode, I welcome my beautiful brother friend, Steve, to talk and explore with me about the medicine of COVID. One of the words that comes to mind is urgency as a way I related to time as really, to me, that's a core trauma response. If I don't control time, if I'm not productive at all times, something terrible is going to happen is the story. And so I need to maintain some sort of rigidity around it. COVID totally broke that down and it was a purging of relationship to time, uh, kind of a cleaning of the slate. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I'm your host, Luis Mujica. I was sick and depressed until I discovered that I could make music, and then my whole life transformed because I began learning how to listen more deeply, listen to life, to the people around me, and to my body. And that's when I realized that the body speaks through sensations and learning this new language meant relearning my body and mind. 
I soon healed myself of many chronic conditions and then began teaching others how to do so as well. Holistic life navigation combines nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing to help you release stress and trauma just by listening to your own body. This podcast serves as a place to share my experiences as well as the experiences of many others who have healed and are healing through unique, unorthodox, and unusual ways. Your time to learn begins now. This episode was very much inspired by endless letters I was receiving about talking more about COVID. It's been this enormous global trauma and and gift and experience that we've all been navigating together in some way for the past two years. And Steve was the first person I spoke to who had COVID because I had gotten it in May 2022. He was the first person I spoke to who experienced it the same way I did, which for me means as a gift, as a medicine, as an initiation into our bodies deeper, into parts of ourselves that we might not have gone to before. It's what I hear a lot of people experience when they do psychedelics or any kind of other plant medicine. This being pulls you into parts of yourself that you weren't able to go to alone. And for me, COVID pulled me into a part of myself that was without a flight response. And flight response is how I developed. I developed in flight. My traumatic experiences Um I froze through a lot of them. Many of them were sexual when I was growing up. And the way my body expressed that charge was through constantly shaking my legs and moving my fingers and jittering and moving around in my seat. And then as I became a teenager, it turned into running for school. It turned into overworking. It turned into cleaning all the time, organizing all the time, talking all the time, talking really fast. And I've related to my flight response in the last six or seven years. And it's amazing. It gives me the ability to do a lot of the work that I do in the world because I'm able to respond to things quickly. I'm able to show up to things quickly. There's a sense of adventure in me. So I love traveling. There's all these good things I get from it. Uh, And there are still these remnants that were in me of a sense of urgency around time, um, a schedule that became bit too rigid and and confining for me. And so when I was experiencing COVID, I was really somatically experiencing my body without urgency for weeks. And it was really strange. I had no energy for sex. I had no energy to have conversations with people. The only thing I actually had energy for was to listen to Japanese enka music, which is this gorgeous traditional style of of Japanese music. And I just listened to it for hours as I would lay and just look at the forest through my window. And allowing my body to be tired and in pain and have to sleep nine, ten times a day without a story about what was wrong with that was so healing. It really was. It was like what you get from having a 90-minute massage. My body was just so flaccid afterwards and calm and centered and tender. 
and I, to this moment, I'm recording this now at the end of August 2022. So what, May, June, July, August, so four months. Four months later, I still lack sense of urgency. And when it comes through, because I guess it does come through still, so I don't lack it. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't enjoy it anymore. Sense of urgency used to feel really good to me. It used to feel like aliveness. And now it doesn't. Now it feels overwhelming. And so I notice myself, I'm, I'm even more somatically aware of my sense of urgency now because it's so unpleasant. And that's a real gift because nothing could really get rid of that overcoupling for me with the, the sense of urgency with aliveness, sense of urgency with sense of self, sense of urgency with safety even. These states of hypervigilance and hyperawareness and hyperarousal they're overcoupled with our survival because that's how we survive dangerous situations. We hyperarouse and mobilize to get away from them or live through them. So our bodies associate that state of activation and stimulus with safety, with survival. And this is why when people work with me and they stop taking in stimulants, particularly coffee and any kind of caffeines, they start to notice this fear of the tenderness that comes over their body without that stimulus that comes in from caffeine, without that adrenalized state. And that's what I got from COVID. It really pulled me down into a de-adrenalized state. It was as if I was making no adrenaline. I could barely lift my head you know, off the pillow. And what a wise teacher it was because I feel this incredible, just incredible sense of peace inside of me now more than I, I did before, and I thought it was pretty peaceful before, but I feel it now in a deeper way than I've ever felt. And because that peace is my baseline now, the sense of urgency is so much more loud and obvious and uncomfortable. And for that, I'm, I'm grateful because I want to uncouple comfort from urgency. As someone with complex PTSD, maybe not anymore, maybe some remnants of it, but for many years I, I experienced those symptoms and that expression. Urgency was my identity. Urgency was how I moved through the world, how I spoke, how I related to people. And my personal journey and path since learning about trauma and learning how to heal it has been healing my relationship to urgency. So Steve is a beautiful brother, brother friend, who I was so lucky to meet by chance at a men's circle. Um, I don't tend to do well in men's circle because I'm mixed ethnicity, intersex, queer man. It's hard to find other men I relate to in, in men's circles. It tends to be one particular kind of standard American male. And at this men's circle, I, I found Steve and there was just this landscape inside of him that I could really f touch into right away. Um, and to make friends with someone who is straight and feel a sense of vulnerability with them and a safety to be held by them and to connect with them uh, further healed and uncoupled my own threats and suspicions around men that I've had from my traumas with men growing up. So you know, without further ado, actually, 
that's a lie. I'm going to say one more thing. Uh, in January 2023, I'm going to be starting several different groups. And one of them is a men's healing group. I'm really excited for this group. I've wanted to do it for a while, but I wasn't ready until now. And we're going to meet for nine months. We're going to meet once a month. And it's going to be um, recorded. There will be replays. We're going to use a circle space. It's like an online private forum for sharing, for week-to-week -week support. I'm going to be sending out exercises and videos and things to do in between our meetings. But we're going to be coming together with the intentions of heal identifying first and then gently releasing and healing the constructs of male that we have internalized the constructs that have been fed to us um, through the media, through our families, through our own experiences that have become oppressors inside of our own true nature. So the androgyny, the, um, the non-binary nature of being a human in male bodies tends to be oppressed by the hyper-masculine archetypes that we develop around especially for me in the 80s and 90s. I'm not sure it's like for people who are younger now. So I'm putting this group together and some of the questions I'm getting is, you know, what do you define as a man? I personally don't define anything as a man. I believe everyone identifies with what feels like their nature. This particular group is biologically focused. So the focus is on the rupture that occurs when we become flooded with testosterone. The focus is on understanding our biology, our erections, our sexual organs, our way we show up to sex. You don't have to have a penis to be in this group. And you're going to find this group so beneficial if you're on testosterone or have experienced testosterone. So if you're in a body that makes a lot of testosterone, or you have transitioned or in transition or non-binary, and you are on testosterone, you're taking hormonal therapy, this group's going to be great for you. So if you're interested in that, go to my website and go to the contact section and send a, an email to Marika. Her email is also info at holisticlifenavigation.com. And just let her know to put you on the wait list. And when more information comes out, we're going to email everyone on the wait list sometime this fall 2022. And we're going to open up applications. I'm accepting 20 individuals. And we're going to have a really beautiful nine-month journey together. So that being said, let's go into this episode now with my beautiful friend, Steve. Okay, I'm welcoming my dear friend, Steve Roshovsky. You got it. Roshovsky, yeah. Roshovsky to the podcast. Now tell, tell us what you were saying before we go in. Yeah, so I just moved to Prague, Czech Republic, from upstate New York. I was in the Hudson Valley. And what I was just saying is I've reclaimed my name. So in the U.S., I was Rasovsky, R-A-S-O-V-S-K-Y. And coming here, I got all my Czech documents. And here I'm Rasovsky. So there's a little hook over the mm -hmm. S. So S becomes SH, and the Y has a little, a little accent on it. So it becomes a long Y. And I was sitting in men's group the other day thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, I reclaimed my ancestral name. And how many people lose their name when they come to the US, you know, they take something and, and say, well, that's a little too complicated for us here. So we're going to switch it and Americanize it. But to go back and and now 
I today actually wrote on my mailbox at Ashovsky for the first time. And so I've, I've reclaimed that. Yeah. It delights me to my core. And and people who don't know your this is where your family's from. You're actually going back to the motherland, right? Yeah. Yeah. Back yeah. to where my parents escaped from. Mm. Uh, yeah. So they escaped in the eighties, went over to the US, escaped from communism. And now I'm back here. So interesting you shared that at the beginning, because we're you know, we're coming together to speak about something else, but we'll probably speak about a lot of things. <laughs> as we do. <laughs> as we do. But I was thinking of, you know, this morning as I was getting ready, I kept hearing this phrase in my mind. Um race replaced place. <laughs> you know, and I kept it kept coming through and it was exactly what you're saying. It was like in America, we lose the place for mm -hmm. the race, you know, like white, black, other. And with that also is this, this, like these reverberations of colonization where your indigenous cultures just get completely erased uh, so you can assimilate. And so I, just the re reclamation of a pronunciation of a name is huge. And I, mm -hmm. I think it's such a gorgeous way to start my friend Asha Frost would say re-indigenizing yourself and I think it's just such a beautiful mm. practice oh my entire body is vibrating right now hearing that oh my gosh I feel it in my spine and into my hands it it feels like there's space for something to re-enter my body something that I've been longing for for so long and uh, which in a way has become, we're going to talk about disease, I think more in the way a spiritual disease is this disconnection from the roots and uh, hearing you reflect that right now, I just, I feel it in my body. It's, it's, it feels alive and it feels true and, and it feels like it's beyond me. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love the beyond me part. Yeah, I, I just have to say out loud. Um, I have a lot of people on here who are colleagues and who I meet through, I don't know, the work that I do in the world of trauma. Uh, Steve is a very special friend. And I met him through this men's group that was being started, I think in 2020 or was it 2021? I think maybe 2020. Time has done weird things in the last few years. I think 2020. Yeah. 2020. And I walked into the room and it was a very dark room. There were no lights on. And we were all sitting on haystacks, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think there were nine, nine of us. And immediately my heart was like, that guy over there, that's your brother. Mm -hmm. And there was just this instant affinity. And I kept thinking, I need to spend time with him. And Steve is special because he's one of those, you're one of those special friends to me where maybe we've spent like 10 times together in two years. But yet I feel like I've known you my entire life and I feel so instantly comfortable with you uh, more than someone that I might see, you know, every week. So there's this special kinship that I just think is really magical. And you've been a huge part of my ongoing healing and uncoupling threat and danger from men, you know, because I've had so much trauma with men growing up because of the body I was born into and the way I present. And so, you know, you've been just like an added bonus on that journey. So I wanted to publicly thank you for that and introduce mm. people to you that way through my heart. Yeah. 
Thank you, brother. That means so much to hear. Yeah. Mm. And the feeling is so, so mutual. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm so grateful as I step into myself to be able to find people I actually really resonate with. Mm. And you have been absolutely one of those gifts on the journey. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very, very much so. <laughs> so I thank brought you some words. Oh, you're so, thank you, my friend. Thank you for that too. You know, I brought you here because I was excited to start talking about COVID and mm -hmm. not as a problem, but as yeah. a gift, Yeah, um, which can be triggering for some people, you know, because everyone's going to have a different experience with it. Um, I lost my grandfather to COVID, so I, I, I understand that there's loss. And I live this life from the place of everything is medicine, you know, regardless of what how intense it is. So I've been really interested. I, I had COVID in May, right after Beltane, literally like a day after. And then it was it turned into what was called long COVID. So I think it was almost two months I had no stamina. And through the lens of trauma and everyone listening here who follows understands this my, i'm a flighter so my body has lived from flight response for a long time and it's easy for it to access that my experience with covid completely extinguished the flight response like it couldn't even get drummed up because of how exhausted my body was mm -hmm. so it was this deep somatic initiation into rest and timelessness and not doing. I'll talk more about mine, but we intersected because we were having just like a personal phone call about your experiences with COVID and they were paralleling. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your experience and let's kind of start easing into this, you know, medicine of this journey together. Sounds wonderful. Yeah, I think it was an important thing you said at the beginning, you know, to respect that. Uh, this is obviously a very challenging disease for many people. And I'm not a doctor. I'm not here to play a doctor or a scientist. But I do think that there's some real beauty that we can talk about and explore together um, with something that truly, for me, has been a, a culture shift, an internal culture shift. Um, so I got COVID beginning of July. Uh, for the first time, and I was out for about 10 days, I had just gotten here to Prague. And I was in this tiny little student dormitory. This is my temporary housing. It was probably 100 square feet. It was smaller than the tiny house I used to live in, which I thought was pretty funny. And I was in there for 10 days. I mean, there was nowhere for me to run. So talk about that flight response, very much so uh, similar to the patterning that I have. And there was just, there was nowhere to go. I was so tired. I fell into uh, a totally parallel time universe. Um, days went into night, nights went into days. And uh, it was all of the different stages of grief almost at first, just this frustration. Oh no, I'm supposed to be in this program right now. And I just moved here. I don't want to be missing out on things to more of a surrender to then going back to this kind of feeling helpless. And you said the word stamina. I think that's a really potent one, especially as men to talk about. There's so much story around a man having stamina and having strength. And I felt the opposite of that for many days in a row. And then I started feeling better. 
for about three weeks and then I got my symptoms again. They came back full bore. I lost my smell for the second time. So my symptoms were intense fever, body aches, um, confusion, a lot of mental fog. Um, I just had absolutely no no energy to do anything and no interest really. It was just the basics, just sleep and drink some water, <laughs> take some vitamin C and surrender. Um, so that's kind of a quick overview and I'm happy to go anywhere, anywhere <laughs> you, <laughs> you want with this. <laughs> that's why I love you. I, I, I'm just kind of feeling into it. You're bringing back you're bringing me back to my several months of when I was deeply in that. And when you said time, that that was, I think, what was most profound for me, because time has been something that I've related to in a rigid way. Uh, lots of schedules, you know, like having a full time private practice, having a big trauma healing business, having a child, you know, having a lover, having friends. It's like if I didn't schedule things, it would just flow right around and through and disorganize me. So the last six years, I've been so tethered to a schedule, which is very new for me. I, I tended to live most of my adult life completely schedule-free and spontaneous. Um, so there was this groundedness to it, but then I think it started to become confining without realizing. And then when this happened, I noticed as I was deleting everything from my extremely filled schedule this relief every time i would delete something every time i would send an email to cancel something i was in the middle of my six-week course so i had to cancel the first week there was just this ah oh, like this death like those things were dying right so i wasn't dying my body was here but everything around me that i expected to happen and thought i had to show up to i was allowing to dissolve and in that dissolve became this two week period of timelessness, where I would just fall asleep, eight, nine, 10 times a day, because I was so fatigued from COVID. And I would just wake up in this liminal state and then fall asleep and wake up. And I just lived that way for, for two weeks. And I was in this cottage away from my my wife and daughter. So I was completely alone. She was tending to me beautifully, you know, with herbs and love and as much as she could without getting close. But it was it was just so powerful to be isolated in that surrender of everything. My ego says, this is who I am. This is what I'm supposed to do. But to also find safety in the timelessness. So I'm curious how your relationship to time was different during COVID and how it's changing as you're coming out of it for the second time. Like, What does that look like mm -hmm. for you? Yeah, I think um, one of the words that comes to mind is urgency as a way yes. I related to time as really, to me, that's a core trauma response. If I don't control time, if I'm not productive at all times, something terrible is going to happen is the story. And so I need to maintain some sort of rigidity around it. COVID totally broke that down and it was a purging of relationship to time uh kind of a cleaning of the slate and i the way i look at a virus is it's a biological update i mean a virus all it is is genetic information encapsulated in a protein shell that binds to our cell uh, our cell structures and then goes in there and replicates it's not even 
many people would say it's not even alive. It's just genetic information. So it goes in there, replicates, and then our body learns how to work with it. And unfortunately, in some cases, when especially with co-occurring diseases, our body does not have the strength to learn or it gets inflamed right in our lungs, filled with liquid. And that's a lot of times how people would pass. But our body learns how to deal with the virus on a biological level. But with COVID, because of the length of it and because of like what you were saying, the level of exhaustion. And I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts on this. You said you fell asleep nine or 10 times a day. With that exhaustion, when you woke up, was there story? You know, was there story? Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm here. I'm sick. I haven't done anything. Because for me, I was so tired. Story didn't even come in there. I was just, I, I was just happy <laughs> to get out of bed, go to the bathroom, <laughs> make it back. And so in this way, I see not just as a biological update, but a cultural update. And, and so it's updating our internal culture. And I heard about this. Um, a friend of mine once said, COVID is the psychedelic flu. And I was like, what does that even mean? But in many ways in psychedelic medicine, there is this purging process that happens. We face something that's really intense. And I, I know you've talked about these cathartic experiences, right, that are very emotionally a huge roller coaster and you need to integrate it. This, though, is an internal process that's just happening. I didn't, we don't need to take any sort of uh, hallucinogenic or anything like that. It's, it's an internal biological process. And it's happening on a cultural level, internally, but also externally, because it's happening all over the world. So this is like a global culture update when it comes to our relationship to time, like you said. And I think very closely to that would be relationship to work. Because work and time are so intertwined. I'm just lighting up. I'm writing some things down that I want to sit with. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, everything you just said is so, so profound and, and true for me. And the, the urgency is such an important word because one of the biggest questions I hear often is the difference between intuition and trauma response or intuition and fear and the the ability to sense and feel urgency is often how we can tell the difference of these things mm -hmm. and so when you're talking about urgency with time that's the trauma response of flight and just for people listening to understand somatically that urgency it, it, it's it's the, the constriction the pressure the charge that comes from our bodies as we relate to work or time or individual or person, whatever it is, that urgency comes from that kind of like subconscious threat state, that fear response, you know, my life will be dot, 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 if I don't. So these kind of overcouplings and associations we get with time and with work and with value are attached to a somatic state of urgency. I also experienced with COVID because of the amount of exhaustion I literally couldn't have urgency. It wasn't allowed to exist. And my mind also wasn't creating story. Uh, one, because like you said, I was so exhausted. I had gratitude that I could just get to the bathroom and go back to bed. And two, I was, I was doing these practices that I teach, which are finding parts of the body that are okay with this experience. 
And so as I was laying in bed in a lot of pain the first couple of days, it was like head to toe, like nerve pain. It just felt like everything was inflamed. No stretch would alleviate it, right? It was just pain um, and fever. And I was noticing, okay, what part of my body is actually okay with the pain? I would feel into my butt laying in the bed. Oh, that area feels okay in the bed right now. I feel the soles of my feet, like feeling the air. Oh, that was nice. And I would have this kind of pendulation between the pain and these other parts of the body that had more resources. And it just kind of created this internal dance, uh, this relationship, this conversation between these parts. So I wasn't just orienting to the part with the pain. I was kind of integrating the pain into the other parts that weren't experiencing that at the same time maybe for a couple seconds and that would shift. But without the story, there wasn't suffering. There were days of pain and exhaustion and like nausea and fatigue, but there wasn't suffering because there wasn't that internal antagonizer saying, you need to get over this. Why did you do this? What did you do to deserve this? None of that was there. So mm. I'm, I'm curious about your experience of just being with the body through that pain and discomfort compared to judging the body for the pain and discomfort yeah oh beautiful question oh my gosh so i'll i'll enter again through time when time expanded so could my presence and so in that expanded presence there was more space to be with the ecosystem of sensation rather than again the story of i'm sick I'm unwell, I'm hurting. These are all stories of the mind, right? And so there was just so much time to be with this that it was like a melting into, like you said, there was so many different things happening. And maybe one part of my body is actually experiencing relief in a moment. And I thought, you're going to love this. I, I got to the point actually where I started practicing feeling pleasure by especially my practice was to go and take a hot bath and then to get out and I would have these body aches and I would lay in bed and I would start moaning. And this is new for me. It just, my body wanted to do it. And I was amazed. Pleasureful moaning changed the entire experience for me. And I was, I would just kind of slowly, it was a dance in my body. I couldn't believe it. And as I was doing it, I could see that I was able to encourage my body because I was so tired. And, you know, 10 days in, my body needed some encouragement from me too. And, and what better than to feel some pleasure in that to say, hey, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's work together rather than as adversaries here with this body. And I just, I just like, I feel that in my body now. I'm just like, let that sink in is what does it mean to work together to cooperate? That's right there what it is for me. That's everything right there. Wow. I had my teacher on here a little a few episodes ago, and she said at the end, living with a body instead of living in a body. Mm -hmm. And so you were just saying it it's yeah. a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. When we have that inquiry of how do I relate to this instead of how do I fix this, like the pain, it's so, again, parallel. 
when I remember being in bed, I remember uh, like moaning and writhing and like deep breaths and like releasing tone, just whatever tone wanted to come out. And the pain, let's say, in my spine had a certain song that came out through my mouth. And it was almost orgasmic in like a non-activating way. It was like really mm-hmm. expansive and it would bring this incredible inner sensation of of presence really in relationship and a self-co-regulation, right? Uh, so I love that you are bringing in the moan because when we think of pain and we think of our initial response is to constrict against the pain, it's mm-hmm. an othering. You know, we mm-hmm. other the pain and brace against it. Um, or we we sedate it somehow or anesthetize it. No shame to anyone that has to do that to function. Mm-hmm. And in these situations, there's this invitation. What if I related to it? How does it want to move? How does it want to breathe? What does it sound like? What does it want to say to somebody? It's a huge yeah. experience, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's repairing a relationship that may have been fractured. It was for me, for sure. In many ways, I had neglected some of these very basic ways of relating to myself through how I was rushing in, in the world or through caffeine intake or things like that. They're just these small or large transgressions of boundaries of the body. And so it, that relationship had been ruptured and it can be repaired is what I saw after days and days of just doing nothing those those sort of there's like this weaving of of coming back together and i feel it now still um more of a dual awareness of the external world and the internal world because i i have to i still feel more fatigue now and so if i do some of the things that i used to do my body will tell me much faster now and again, do I fight against that and say, I want to return back to the way that I used to be? <laughs> I want uh, to go back to business as usual, right? With this whole, re- when are we going to return back to normal? When you return to normal? Yeah. Or or is this something new, you know, and, a new mm. culture, a new possibility? See, that's really exciting because when you were talking earlier about the internal, external, cultural medicine and the experience of this this virus and you're talking about the genetics and the updating that really resonated with me because i think of inherited trauma response is a genetic response so it's it's in my genes to flight i mean your parents fled right Mm -hmm. your country my grandfather fled his country there's this flight that worked its way down specifically through the men in my family and i landed in my body so this genetic update from COVID was really saying, like, you don't have any energy to flight. What are you going to do now? And it was inviting this newness. Okay, where am I? What does it feel like in the world? What's my, I don't even like new identity because I don't really care for identity. But what identity am I ready to lose around the loss of the flight response? And there's so much nuance in that for me because the activation of flight for me, it was also overcoupled with sexuality because of how I developed sexually in very thrilling and dangerous situations. And so there was this overcoupling around that. So I even noticed from COVID, my arousal became more authentic. 
Mm. It wasn't just about activation being arousal. It was like actual heart safe connection became arousal. And I always knew that I wanted to get there, but my body wasn't ready for it until very recently. Mm. And that's yeah. been a huge one to to release. Mm. I really like what you said about identity too. And what is maybe a different word? I think relationship is a great word there. Instead of this going back to the mental construct of this is my identity, it's this open exploration of what does the relationship look like? What does the relationship to arousal look like? Right? Does, because yeah. th there is something really taxing to the body about arousal just being that up excitement and it, and it's really intense and something that I have personally had a lot of addiction to myself because it's so uh it's it's I mean the dopamine rush all these things it's it feels great yet there is another way like you're saying this sort of slower expansive spacious it doesn't jolt up like a dopamine you know hit like you hit the mm -hmm. you know the jackpot but it's a new relationship i mean that's the whole analogy right there of, of the jackpot and a new relationship whether it's with sex whether it's with work whether it's with time the gift i i received and still am receiving from again what we would call covid and long covid is just this constant invitation into the slowness of my body and into the authenticity of my body because flight and adrenaline and stimulation and hyper arousal it serves to bypass what you're actually able to withstand you know it, it, that's the the medicine of that is to push us through situations that we don't have capacity for to get us out of a situation that could be dangerous and when you're living in that you miss the nuances of those natural parts in you that say no or that say stop and say i actually want to cry or i want to slow down and I don't think I ever cried as much as I cried in the last few months since having COVID. This this tenderness was mm. so easy to access. Uh, so I wonder what your relationship is to your own tenderness of your body emotions, if that was your experience from this or not. Mm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting moment right now because I'm also transitioning to living in a new country. And so there's multiple factors going on here. Um, so in a way that transition to a new space, um, has its own energy to it. And then there's a very fascinating intersection to have it happen at this time. And I actually feel safe here. Um, so there's a bit of a tangent, but one thing my cousin said that I thought was very interesting when I got the symptoms the second time, she said, maybe your body is getting the symptoms again because you have the space to afford it and i was like that sounds true that sounds really true that i'm I, my body immune system is always kind of this rigid we got to keep everything together all you know keep it all functioning because that's what he wants he wants to do well in the world and all these things and all of a sudden I say, okay, wait, I can relax. And then the the virus that is, we, I mean, we're an ecosystem that has got these pathogens in us all the time. And we're always in equilibrium with these things. So I was able to go into that. And I think with that, there has been a lot more tenderness towards myself. And it has actually been uh, very much an inner child 
process of taking care of the little one inside um, and going all the way back, I would say, I've been doing a lot of uh, womb work. So really feeling into a deep sense of fear that started for me all the way in the womb with a very challenging, uh, it seems like pregnancy for my mom that she she had a lot of ups and downs emotionally. Um, and so go, having the space to go all the way back and reconnect to this part of me that's just really afraid to be in the world and notice I can be I can be okay just being in bed. I am I'm recreating safety that starts in these small concentric circles starting from my bed. How what does it feel like to feel safe and tender and totally open just here? And then what does it feel like to feel safe in the bed, the entire bedroom and then in, in the entire apartment and these circles keep rippling out. And so with that, I think does come more tenderness, easier tears, uh, laughter, more openness to share in relationship with other people. And for that, I'm very grateful. I love that so much. I'm just kind of feeling into it. It's amazing. Um, I don't think we notice how much we overcouple our sense of self and our safety with productivity until something like this occurs and, and you lose all ability to, to function in the productive world. That is, we function in a different world, but the productive world. And I think to emerge from this experience, you know, from months of being in it, weeks of being in it, to emerge from it with more of a connection to self. Uh, that's what really lights me up about you, about these conversations, about my experiences, is how do we experience something as a medicine? And then, like you said earlier, integrate the catharsis of it, even when it's over. I think that, again, the gift for me of having COVID was, it wasn't like a cold that was four days and I was done. And I could just go back to business as normal, as usual, right? Like you said, it, it just lingered for months. And I think maybe it has changed my genetics in that way, like the flight response no longer feels good. So when I go into it, it feels so violent. Whereas before it was it was my center, or it felt like my familiar center. So it's kind of several things I'm asking there. I think the the main one is what it's like to what it's like to really just allow yourself to keep integrating this as your body recovers. What does that look mm -hmm. like for you? Well, I want to highlight one thing you said here that's feeling really present, which is where you said like a regular cold that lasts you know, three or four days, because I think pretty much everyone listening can relate to the experience of getting a cold or flu and going through this mental process of, oh my gosh, I need to slow down. I need to be taking better care of myself. Oh my gosh, I realized health is the number one priority. And then three days later, we're feeling better. And it just like it just never happened. <laughs> and so like you say, this has kind of this built in uh, self correcting mechanism, if we want to look at it like that, in a way that stays with us. And in, in that sense, there's a deep intelligence to this whole thing um, that I find fascinating. 
And so to me, to continue integrating this is really, is really about continuing to listen, continuing to listen and uh, notice. I, I just went through this uh, a couple of days ago where I had a weekend and I hosted a couple of friends here. Um, there was maybe three or four nights that I didn't have time alone. And I could feel in my body, it was saying, hey, <laughs> remember, <laughs> take care. And so last night I said, okay, I'm absolutely giving myself a personal date night to just be, light some candles. And today I woke up and I could feel my body saying, thank you. It feels respected. And then, and then I can, I function today. <laughs> I'm able to show up for this podcast and be present with you and then recognizing what is my energy level? What is my energy level after an interaction? After this, I always feel really quite energized after I talk to you. Sometimes it's not the case though. With, with some people, I feel quite drained and it's about um, having a little bit of that boundary setting uh, intention of saying, okay, with this space that I have, I need to be intentional. I want to be intentional. I choose to be intentional to conserve and to respect um, the life force that is here. And so that's kind of my guiding, you know, and it's certainly not perfect. Like I just said, I, I started feeling it just the last couple of days that I, I was veering off track a bit. But when I listen uh, and I get back in alignment, what's amazing to me is that it actually works. And I'm learning to trust that I can repair, that I can take care. And I think that fundamental trust is, to me, one of the better definitions I can think of, of like self-confidence, self-relationship, um, to be solid in that, to trust that. That's just so gorgeous. And and you keep using the words, I felt my energy. Yeah. And I think that's the, the highlight for me is self relating is so powerful when there's the somatic awareness. Otherwise, it's a concept, you know, I should go to bed at nine, I shouldn't hang out with these people. And we don't know if the concept's always true, it updates based on our capacity. But the physiology, you're noticing that felt sense that says, whoa, I'm feeling this feeling after three or four days of not being alone. And that sense, just like the pain and the moaning, the sense wanted to speak through you and say, can we have a date night? <laughs> and yeah. so I think it's that listening to that inner part that says, I want to date just with you tonight. That's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, well, it puts and it puts the brain really where in in my perspective, is a much healthier place for it to be, which is a listener to the body. And then it's great at strategizing, right? I, my body without a brain would not be able to figure out how to create date night. My That's brain right. was That's able right. to make a nice thing happen, you know? Yeah. And so, and just saying this now, boom, again, I feel my whole body light up. It's responding to what I'm saying. And, and it's saying, it's saying, thank you through sensation. Thank you for acknowledging the relationship that is here and for having the mind, the brain be in service, uh, as a, as an ally here rather than a conqueror, a dominator, mm -hmm. right? That's right. 
I, oof. Yeah, when I see or hear mind over matter, I just think, well, mind with matter, you know, and you're saying yeah. that so beautifully right now. You're saying the if the brain's role is to listen to the body, there's this gorgeous relationship, right? The brain yeah. strategizes to meet the needs of the body yes. instead of the brain bypassing the needs of the body to yes. grasp at some concept or should or, you know, duty. Right. That's gorgeous. And everything, everything's satisfied then. The body feels respected and the mind gets to do what it does so well. Yes. Everything gets to do what it does, right? But it's not in this twisted relationship. <laughs> <laughs> As you're saying that, I can feel like if there was like, it may be the pineal gland, I don't know, but I'm feeling this little pine cone in my brain just kind of like <laughs> releasing all this pollen, <laughs> lighting up and dancing, <laughs> little mm. sparks of joy. Oh, oh wow. This is, we have to start closing. This is such a gorgeous, as always, a gorgeous conversation. I, mm. I feel so spoiled that I have friends like you. Mm. You know, it's the really... The feeling is so mutual, brother. We create this together. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's, it's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. Is, can, is I there... share one, can I share one thing? Oh, uh, please, uh, so please. One, so one other thing that was so helpful for me is <laughs> a song. I started singing to my cells. And I learned this song at the beginning of COVID. So I'm going to, I'm going to sing it Ooh. and then I'm going to try to sing it. Oh, you're going <laughs> to sing it. You're going to sing it, baby. I'm going to hear this. And uh, yeah. So, so here's what I sang to myself when I was feeling really depleted to give myself some encouragement. Every little cell in my body is happy. Every little cell in my body is well. Every little cell in my body is happy. Every little cell in my body is well. Well, I'm so glad that every little cell in my body is happy and well. Well, I'm so glad that every little cell in my body is happy and well. <laughs> My cells are dancing with you. That's a little cell dance. Yeah, it was it was made by I think like a kindergarten teacher. I saw it on YouTube. If you just type those lyrics and you can find them. And I never feel worse after I feel sing mm. that song. I'll put it that way. <laughs> like, mm. I never feel worse. <laughs> it's just the 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 expression of even I'm gonna sing to my body. It's just yeah. such a gorgeous ritual of honoring this beautiful being we get to live with, you know, in this lifetime, it's just so special. And, and even the singing to it and listening to it, it just reminds us that this body is a not separate in a ne negative way, but uh, like a sovereign being, you know, it, it has its ancestral intelligence that we'll never know. And so if we listen without too much arguing, it kind of leads us into some really beautiful spaces and places, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. oh yeah mm -hmm. i like love you here. so much <laughs> thank you mm. for this beautiful song and conversation and just your presence and everything you bring to to my life and now everyone listening is, yeah. is there a way i don't know if you have a way people can contact you if they want to like what does that look like yeah so um right now i'm actually in the process of starting a podcast and so it's called The Inner Apothecary. 
And so Ooh. it's it's actually very much what you started with that everything is medicine yes, and boy. it's an exploration of practical medicine for our minds and our bodies and our spirits. And the idea is to build a culture of presence and love and trust. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that will be coming out soon. And I just created a landing page. So it's the innerapothecary.com. Mm -hmm. And people can go there and you can sign up with your email to hear when the podcast starts. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with me and do one-on-one -on -one work with people, you can send an email on there. And I would love to be in touch. Mm -hmm. Thank you, my beautiful friend. Yeah, Thank you so much for having me here, brother. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My question for you is, where do you feel the episode? Take a breath and just notice. What's your body doing right now? Sit with it. Let it speak to you. And let whatever comes up, come up. And your only job is to listen. For all the wisdom you need is right inside of you. To learn more about my work, you can visit holisticlifenavigation.com and sign up for my mailing list. You'll receive a weekly newsletter with specific monthly topics, free resources, and upcoming events. You can also follow me on Instagram. If you like my podcast, please leave a review and share. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give in to mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.